Last week, Andy and I dropped our way too early top 10s on you, but guess what? There's been a ton of movement as expected in the transfer portal and everything else. So you know what that means for you folks? Brand new top 10s coming at you. You are Locked On College Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, what's up? Welcome into the Locked On College Basketball Podcast, the only daily national college hoop show out there. Yes, we are daily even in this offseason. Come hang out with us. This is your guy, Andy Patton. I'm Isaac Shade, and we are overjoyed to be with you. Today's episode is brought to you by HelloFresh. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. Go to HelloFresh.com slash college 6060 and use code college 60 for 60% off plus free shipping. Andy, that seems like a good deal. We're busy podcasters. We need some HelloFresh in our lives. All right. Folks, we've, I'm not joking. There's been so much movement yeah. since Andy and I were last uh, together with you on Wednesday of last mm-hmm. week. Wow, Andy, it's been so long after a month <laughs> of literally spending every day together. Um, Good to be back. <laughs> no. So we've, we've had a bunch of movement at Michigan specifically, including mm-hmm. a high-profile transfer. So we're going to talk about Michigan. Mm-hmm. We've got some quick hitters. It's kind of like our six-pack. that we do on Mondays following a weekend full of games. We're going to talk about some transfers and why they happen to certain places. But before we get there, we want to update our top tens because even though we don't get a new AP poll every Monday, it is fun in the off season as we have movement to update what we think will be uh, our top teams ahead of next season based on roster movement and stuff. And we're getting it all the time. So Andy, why don't you start us off? Mm -hmm. Tell the good people some things that you saw over the past week that are forcing you to take a, a relook at different parts of your, uh, not way too early anymore. Cause that was last week. And now we're one week closer to the start of the season, but your top 10 version 2.0. I think it's, we can still probably call it way too early. I think that's yes, okay. Still way too early. <laughs> there's, there's still a lot of rosters where the, the starting lineup is just a, the, this shrug emoji for all of the positions or at least most of the positions. So Honestly, still- Andy, I live my life by shrug emoji. So <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, so for me, I didn't, I didn't react too strongly to some of the moves, but there were there were a handful of teams where we saw something significant happen in a positive or a negative way. For me, in particular, my top five from last week to this week has not changed. Wow. And I started with Marquette and UConn were one and two. And I, I we haven't seen a ton of changes. The biggest thing that happened for those two programs is Donovan Klingon announcing right. that he was returning to the Huskies. I expected that. I think we both expected that it would have been it wouldn't have been that shocking. I kind of made some Donovan Kling and Zach Collins comparisons from Gonzaga, where he was a backup center who had a really good NCAA tournament, ended up becoming uh, a guy who wasn't expected to be drafted to going 10th overall in that 2017 NBA draft. Incidentally, just finished an incredible season with the San Antonio Spurs. For anybody oh, yeah, I had him on my fantasy team. Yeah, dude. I'm well lost track of Zach Collins <laughs> after all the injuries. He's really darn good still. But for, for Klingon to come back, I think if UConn gets Sonogo back, awesome. They're going to be incredible. If UConn doesn't get Sonogo back, they're still going to be really good. And so for me, like most teams, 
don't have any level of certainty on their roster right now. So UConn just won the national championship. Feels like they have at least one very core piece returning to their roster. It's hard to not have them towards the top. Marquette uh, obviously didn't win a championship, but a lot of the same reasons it looks like their roster is going to be more or less intact. I also thought that about Creighton. We'll get to them momentarily because sometimes our assumptions about what a roster might look like don't necessarily uh, stay in place. I had Duke and Kansas at three and four, not a ton of significant movement or at least unexpected movement for either of those team, uh, those programs just yet. The Kyle Filipowski news is going to be significantly impactful for Duke whenever we hear an update on that. I'm still expecting to leave and it's not changing my, my, where I'm at with Duke all that much right now. I have Kansas, or excuse me, I have Houston at five. And for Houston, they lost Tremont Mark. They're losing Marcus Sasser. They're losing Jarris Walker, but they made one of the biggest transfer portal additions of the last week by securing LJ Cryer from Baylor. And that is huge. It's a, it's a really big addition for them. Cryer is a very, very good offensive player, really seems to fit the Houston mentality for them moving into the Big 12 to secure a high-level starting guard from the Big 12, one of the best That's guards me. in the Big 12 last year, uh, and bring him on board as a replacement for those guys that they lost is, is really significant. And I had Creighton sixth last week. I have bumped them down. I've kept them in my top 10 because we still don't know what their roster is going to look like, but I replaced them with Arkansas, who I had seventh, and I moved Arkansas up in part because of Tremont Mark, who I just mentioned uh, as a Houston player, and he's transferred to Arkansas, Keon Metafield, uh, a UW transfer. He's gone to Arkansas as well, and I think as we're recording this right now, my friend, this has not been finalized, but I have belief that Khalif Battle from Temple is also going to commit to Arkansas. No con wow. confirmation on that. If it does happen, though, Battle and Mark and Metafield is a really nice trio of additions for the hogs so they would move up to six for me i would move ucla up to seven they haven't done a ton yet but they did add lazar stefanovic from utah he averaged 10 points and shot 36 percent from deep last year haquez is likely gone but we still don't know the situation with the dembona and amari bailey bailey excuse me so i'm going to keep them kind of in that conversation creighton slips down to eight for me ryan nempart entering the portal is a significant significant development for the Blue Jays. What happens with Ryan Kalkbrenner? What happens with Baylor Shireman, Arthur Kaluma? This team is kind of in a significant holding pattern right now. Uh, I expect Ryan Nemhard will move on. I expect him to move to the team that I have moved into my top 10, <laughs> who was not in the top 10 previously. That is the Wildcats of Arizona replacing Kentucky. I have moved Kentucky out of the top 10 because there's some uncertainty about their roster. I have moved Arizona into the top 10 because I think they're going to land Ryan Nemhart. It is not official as of this recording right now on Sunday evening. It might be official by the time you listen to this podcast. Awesome. Could be. Um, and if, if, it, if he doesn't land there, then we'll have a little bit more uncertainty about Arizona. But even if they don't get Nemhart, they're going to get a high-level point guard. Tommy Lloyd's going to find somebody. And if it is Nemhart, whoo, and they have a chance to get Tubelis and Balo back, that team is going to be really good so they're at 10 Miami's at nine because that's where they were last time and I don't have any reason to move them so that exactly. is where you're at with my top 10 right now I love that Andy there's not much difference from mine I'll just add a couple things that uh helped mm -hmm. filter things in for me UConn is firmed up for me at number one I already had them mm -hmm. number one I'm keeping them there and I will do so even if Sonogo leaves because I believe that yeah. much in Donovan Klingon and what he can do. Oh, and by the way, they have the fourth overall incoming recruiting class. Right. So that let's not forget, not, uh, not forget that. Um, I'm moving Kentucky down, Andy. Mm -hmm. I had them pretty high last week, third. 
But mm-hmm. Kaysen Wallace, Jacob Toppin are fully in the draft. Yeah. Antonio Reeves and Oscar Shibwe are both testing, so we'll wait to see there. But Yugana Anyenso, who projects mm-hmm. to be the next man up in Oscar Shibwe's stead, uh, is in the transfer portal himself right now, as is, we know, Severe Wheeler. So I yeah. have actually moved Kentucky down to 10th. That's mm-hmm. just a lot of attrition. Now, of course bringing in a massive recruiting class. They're going to win a lot of games and you know, Cal- coach Calipari will do work in the transfer mm-hmm. portal. We'll talk more about that here in just yes, a little bit, but um, as for now, that's where it stands. And so I, I had to move them down mm-hmm. for me with Arizona. I actually moved them up. I had them fifth. I jumped them over FAU up to third. So mm-hmm. I go UConn one Purdue two, Arizona three. Mm-hmm. And part of that is for me, that I thought they were not as good as they could be with Kirk Creesa because mm-hmm. he could shoot you into or out of a game, similar to a, another transfer we'll talk about in a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I, I'm projecting that they will get Ryan Nemhard, and mm-hmm. I think he steadies that ship and yeah. really helps bring more uh, consistency to that offense, which mm-hmm. I think is what probably one of the few knocks I've had on Tommy Lloyd's team these first yeah. two years. So I've actually moved to Arizona up to third, just based on the assumption that Nemhard will mm-hmm. be there. And similarly, I've taken Creighton out of my top 10 because yeah. of the loss of him. I just think it's that, that big yeah. for them. And then as for Houston, I did not have them in my top 10 last mm-hmm. week, but here we go. Houston, <laughs> you have moved into my top 10. Because I love this LJ Cryer edition. I love the Damian Dunn edition from yeah. Temple, who, by the way, has three years of eligibility. Yeah, that's so huge. that's great. And if you pair that with, like, if Jamal Shedd comes back, Terrence Arsenal, we expect to be good in his sophomore mm-hmm. season. At this point, you got to trust Kelvin Sampson, right? Yeah. And I know I've said, I'm curious to see what happens with them coming into the Big 12. Mm-hmm. But as you mentioned earlier, having the experience of LJ Cryer being able to help them with that. Mm-hmm. It, it takes some of that worry away from me. So one to 10 for me, UConn, Purdue, Arizona, FAU, Duke is one through five. Mm-hmm. Marquette, Michigan State, another loaded incoming yeah. recruiting class, by the way. Houston, Kansas, Kentucky round out six through 10. Creighton's out. That mm-hmm. Arkansas team you mentioned, Andy, so close for me with the addition of Traymon Mark. Mm-hmm. Um, but I and, and others, as you said, mm-hmm. I do have a little bit of hesitancy and here's why. Mm-hmm. Devo Davis is testing the mm-hmm. NBA waters. Nick Smith Jr. is out. Yeah. Ricky Council is out both mm-hmm. to the NBA draft. And mm-hmm. Anthony Black should be. Yeah. He's actually projected now above Nick Smith Jr. Yeah. on every draft board I've seen. And so mm-hmm. I-, I need Arkansas to get a little more in the transfer portal before I can move mm-hmm. them in. But, I mean, I would certainly have them ranked, just not yeah. top 10 right now. Jordan Walsh is another interesting dynamic there. I think I think he's going to come back, and I think that that's a really nice return for them as well, although he could enter the NBA draft. Isaac, we had one of the most high-profile transfer portal commitments really of all time in Caleb Love's decision to go to Michigan. I'm not saying he's the best player to ever enter the transfer portal, but he is one of the most well-known players to ever enter the transfer portal, along with what may or may not be his teammate in Hunter Dickinson, who of course has also entered the portal. Could he come back to Michigan? Where might he end up? What does this all mean for the Wolverines? That's what we're going to talk about in the second segment. Before we get there though, 
Today's episode of Locked On College Basketball is brought to you by FanDuel. Grand slams, no hitters, and double plays are back. There's no better, better place to get in on the MLB action than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. That's because right now, new customers can step up to the plate with a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet does not win. So just go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up, place your first bet, and get $1,000 in bonus bets back. So don't miss your chance to get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official partner of Major League Baseball. Isaac, the Caleb Love Show has moved from Chapel Hill, North Carolina to Ann Arbor, Michigan. That is where the dynamic scoring and somewhat controversial, I don't know if controversial is the right word, but he's a polarizing. That's the word we'll yeah, use. That is a good word. Polarizing player in Caleb Love, joining Juwan Howard and the Wolverines. Uh, I want to get your initial thoughts on this because Love, he, he was rumored to Michigan. He was rumored to Mizzou. I don't know if there's a ton of other schools that were really often discussed for him. So it kind of felt like this was going to be one of his landing spots. But what did you think about him ending up uh, on Juwan Howard's team? There, there was an April Fool's Day Duke <laughs> joke I saw. that was, <laughs> um, But yeah, I mean, it, it seemed like it was either here. There was some Indiana noise at one <laughs> point. But yeah. um, listen, Michigan makes sense to me mm-hmm. because of Juwan Howard. And here's why. Uh, Juwan Howard is somebody that has that NBA track record, just like Hubert Davis does. Um, at, at North Carolina, and, and that's mm-hmm. what Caleb Love ultimately wants to get to. Now, he's got the talent to get there. The efficiency, though, is is no. Yeah, the right. consistency, though, is no. As you said, mm-hmm. one of the most high-profile transfers we've had in these first mm-hmm. couple years of the transfer portal, not necessarily one of the most um, productive, I'll yeah. say it that that's word. That's a good way to put it. <laughs> um, because – he had what, what's interesting. And part of the reason I say high profile mm-hmm. is because obviously he had that massive three pointer yeah. over Mark Williams outstretch arms in last mm-hmm. year's final four to end coach K's career essentially yeah. is the, is the talking yeah. line. But, but you take that away and you take some mm-hmm. of the other things he did away mm-hmm. in, in the NCAA tournament, like the specific moments mm-hmm. and the efficiency is just not there. Yeah. Now, ultimately, I think this is a, a mutually beneficial parting of ways mm-hmm. for both Caleb Love and North Carolina. I think it allows North Carolina to do some other things. That's not what we're talking about right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think it's good for him to just go find a new place to be. Mm-hmm. Um, not in the ACC, you know, just in, in a new place. What's interesting is with losing Jet Howard, with losing yeah. Kobe Bufkin, with maybe mm-hmm. losing Hunter Dickinson, yeah. who, by the way, you know, we'll talk about Dickinson here in a second. Mm-hmm. Hunter Dickinson kind of kicked Caleb Love last year when Carolina yeah. and Michigan played. So that, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what the dynamic relationally is there, but we'd watch it. But yeah, I would I would expect that Michigan projects to mm-hmm. have a lot of shots available for Caleb yeah. Love. Caleb Love likes to take a lot of shots. Mm-hmm. How how does Jawan Howard coach him? That yeah. is something that we're going to have to watch because. Mm-hmm for my money's worth is somebody that's watched Caleb love a whole, whole lot. The last yep. three years, I think one of the things that Hubert Davis wasn't able to do is like rein him in with yep. what he needed to be within the Carolina offense. Mm-hmm. And so can Jawan Howard do that? If so, this could be a really productive thing for Michigan. If not, it could be the same level of inefficiency that the folks in Chapel Hill have seen. Well, and I think with the Hunter Dickinson of it all, like, 
does this move, does adding Caleb Love change his mind at all? Like if anything, for me, I think it might hurt Hunter Dickinson's chances of returning to Michigan because I mean, watching the North Carolina offense last year, you post, you could see why a post player might be frustrated having Caleb Love as a teammate. Let's put it that way. (laughs) You could understand why that might not work. And and, I mean, Caleb Love and RJ Davis took a lot of shots last year. They took a lot of ill-advised shots last year. It created some issues with North Carolina's offense, uh, an offense that did funnel through Armando Baycott, but often kind of got, got lost in the shuffle a little bit. And if I'm Dickinson, like we can talk about the Hunter Dickinson of this all. We haven't really discussed him much. And we discussed how Caleb loves one of the most high profile players to enter the transfer portal. Hunter Dickinson might be the best. I mean, unless you got somebody that I'm not thinking of, Hunter Dickinson might be the best player in the modern transfer portal era to enter. I mean, he's an all American. He was big 10 freshman of the year. Like he's an extraordinarily talented player, but you mentioned, Oh, he has this history with Caleb love. Here's the thing about Hunter Dickinson. He's got a history with a lot of people, that's right. Every team that we're we're going to talk about, a few teams that might be good fits for him. Like he's pissed off almost all of them, and I'm not I'm not I'm not trying to bag on him or even be negative towards him. I, college basketball needs villains. He fills that role. He uh, he does. And but when you're a villain who then wants to go join a bunch of other teams, <laughs> your relationship with other teams and other staffs and other coaches and players and whatever it does eventually matter. And I think, you know, in the old days of college basketball, where there was never really any thought of leaving the program you're at, it didn't matter as much, but it does now. And it's an interesting dynamic. I don't think that there are a lot of programs who seriously will adamantly refuse to recruit Hunter Dickinson because of his attitude or a time he was mean to one of their players on his pod. Like, I don't think anybody is going to. to Because if he's on your team, you love it. Right. I don't think anybody's going to treat it that seriously. I think the Hunter Dickinson sweepstakes is going to come down to uh, NIL money, which I I don't blame Dickinson for one tiny bit. He is aware of what his skill sets are in terms of how how valuable his skill set is at the college level and how valuable his skill set is at the NBA level. He is aware of it, just like Armando Baycott is aware of it. Oscar Shibway, Drew Timmy, Trace Jackson, Date. Like there's a whole <laughs> group, Kofi Coburn a few years ago. Like there's this huge group of guys who have started to understand that they have a lot of value in the modern college basketball game and less value in the modern NBA game. And they are choosing to capitalize financially by staying in college. I love that. I know that you love that. Um, And and Dickinson is choosing to do that. He's the first one who has really, really been willing to say, well, let me just put myself out there for the highest bidder. Like who's going to pay me, you know, an amount of money. And I don't know that that's his, his sole directive. I doubt that it is. There are other (laughs) factors here, but Even if it is one of his primary motivators, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I, I mean, like you have a finite window of time to profit off of your abilities as a basketball player. Now you can do it in college and you can do it in college easier than you can do it in the NBA based on your skill set. Take advantage. Take advantage of that. Dickinson seems primed to do so. Uh, we got a handful of programs that may or may not be interested in him. Uh, I'll start with Maryland because the Maryland connection is an intriguing one. For starters, he was real pissed off when they didn't recruit him out of high school, <laughs> made that very clear towards Mark Turgeon and their staff. They are not there anymore. And Maryland recently hired Dickinson's old high school basketball coach, who is also the coach of Jameer Young, who is at Maryland right now. So yeah. he's from the area. His old high school coach is there. Can the Terps pony up the cash to to bring him on board? Hard to say, but it's not. It's hard to not look at that as a pretty obvious connection for Dickinson right now. Man, that that I mean, that would make a lot of sense, mm-hmm. Andy. The the one that seems most logical to me is Kentucky, mm-hmm. especially yeah. if Oscar Shibway stays in the draft, which 
hey, I, I'm not convinced he will. Like, why not come back? And I know there's questions about foreigners' ability to benefit from NIL, but there's paperwork right. you can do, certain visas you can get. You're telling me Kentucky can't pull that off? Yes, they absolutely can. But um, uh, Onyenso is in the transfer portal uh, for Kentucky, as we mentioned earlier. And so if both of those guys are gone, Dude, that's a no-brainer for Dickinson to mm-hmm. me to, to go do that. Um, mm-hmm. By the way, before we get too far away from the Caleb Love of it yeah. all, uh, North Carolina and Michigan are not scheduled to play each other, but mm-hmm. they are both in the battle for Atlantis Ooh, that's next fine. Thanksgiving week. So that could be very interesting. Also, st- just on the North Carolina side of it, mm-hmm. what I know this is a Michigan segment, but... <laughs> Harrison Ingram might mm-hmm. transfer to North Carolina from Stanford. Stanford's yeah. in that field as well. Yeah. Uh, Kerwin Walton, former, former North Carolina player, is at Texas mm-hmm. Tech. <laughs> Texas Tech is in that field as well. So, Andy, could be a lot of former yeah. players facing uh, their former team. Could be really interesting in the battle for Atlantis. Just a little, little side note on that, all that. I think we're going to see a lot more of that. And perhaps that's I a lot bigger off season content too. Of like, look how many, because there's so many players, we're going to see more battles against each other. And I, I'm excited about that. Uh, sticking on Michigan real quick. We mentioned they're losing Kobe Bufkin. They're losing Jet Howard. Right. Uh, they're potentially slash maybe likely losing Hunter Dickinson, but it's not all, it's not all doom and gloom for Juwan Howard's team. Obviously Caleb Love may be a bit inconsistent and he may be a bit polarizing, but there is no doubt that he is extraordinarily talented uh, and adding him alongside Namari Burnett from Bama. He only averaged five and a half points per game last year for Alabama, but he started nine games for them. He's a talented six foot four combo guard. They also get Trey Jackson from Seton Hall, six, nine stretch four shot 37 and a half percent from three for Shaheen Holloway's team last year. Those are two really nice role player additions for Juwan. And if he can figure out a way to rein in Caleb Love, which is not easy to do, but if he can find a way to get him a little bit more productive, uh, this is a team that could make some noise next year, even after losing a lot of talent. We sure can. Speaking of Alabama, we haven't talked about them much, but they're losing a ton. Yeah, we'll get to that. I know, but holy yep. smokes, NATO's gonna have to do some work down there in mm-hmm. Tuscaloosa, Andy. Well, obviously, there are a ton of transfers yeah. that have made commitments. So many. Some of them we've already talked about, specifically as it relates to how it affects our top 10 rankings. Mm-hmm. That's uh, top 10 team rankings, not player mm-hmm. rankings. We mm-hmm. just talked about Michigan. There's several others we want to hit on before we get out of here today that we think are interesting for various reasons because it's a bad fit or maybe mm-hmm. uh, we're seeing trends of people following yeah. their coaches to other places. We'll talk about more on that in just a second. Andy, I want to start... With Kirk Creasa, we talked yeah. about him earlier in the show. And, you know, there was a lot of wonderment about where he would go. Does mm-hmm. he follow Sean Miller? Mm-hmm. All of that. And he lands in Morgantown, West Virginia. Oh. Take me home <laughs> with Bob Huggins. One of the, I mean, like one of the greatest coaches of all time. Mm-hmm. Hall of Famer. One of the winningest college basketball coaches of all time. Mm-hmm. And Andy, I got to be honest, when I look at a Bob Huggins guard yeah, and I look at who Kirk Reese is, mm-hmm. those two things do not go together. Make yeah. some kind of sense of this for me. If yeah, you can, is it possible to? I don't. I wish I could. It's funny. We're we're about to talk about multiple players who followed their former coaches to new schools. There's a handful of them, uh, and I thought Kirk Reese would be in this conversation. Yeah. I, I, my first reaction when he entered the portal was surprise. I was, I, he was not a name I expected to see in the transfer portal at all. And then my second thought was, well, 
Tommy didn't recruit him. Miller did. And Sule Boom is leaving Xavier because he's been in college for since 2017. That's not an exaggeration. That's a real number. Um, and so for, for Chris, I was like, well, boom, there it is. He's going to go to Xavier. Sule Boom, Sean there it is. It makes sense. And now he goes to West Virginia. And West I think of Javon Carter. Like that's who I think of as yes. a West Virginia Bob Huggins yes. guard. Thank you. Yes. Kirk Creesa is not that. And I don't think Kirk Creesa is bad. And, and I don't think that he is necessarily, he's not a disaster for West Virginia. Huggins clearly sees something here. Creesa himself sees something here that, that they think can make it work. And, and Creesa, or excuse me, Huggins did a good job with Eric Stevenson uh, on this team last year. And Eric Stevenson, different, a little bit different player, but similar in their kind of attitude. They both are, are they're going to shoot you into a game or they're going to shoot you out of a game. Like that's the kind of the same thing for both of those players. And so maybe Huggins is trying this out again. Maybe there's something he sees here that he thinks he can kind of uh, mold and, and develop with Creesa. But I think Kirk Creesa is a talented player. I don't necessarily know if I love this fit, but I, Bob Huggins has proven a lot of people wrong in his life and I wouldn't be shocked if he figures something out here and makes this work. Yeah, I mean, it's like you talked about Javon Carter. I just think about the defensive capability yeah. of so many West Virginia right. guards. It, like when I thought when I thought of Arizona the past few years, if mm -hmm. I'm if I'm doing a scout on them, I'm like, hey, whoever um, Kirk Kreese is guarding, go mm -hmm. attack him yeah, right attack, now. Right attack, attack. Um, and so I, it's just like that and the lack of consistency. It's like mm -hmm. like Bob Huggins needs somebody who's going to be steady. I just. I'm, you know what though? It makes me very excited to watch West Virginia basketball next year, Andy. Exactly. Uh, let's see if we can pit snoggle this thing, right? <laughs> like, uh, bring back my man Kevin. So, yes. Andy, one of the things we watch for a lot now in the transfer portal era mm -hmm. is what might give us some indications of where a player is going to go. Right. Like digging into his social media to find out where his girlfriend goes to school. Right. Uh, maybe has has he been pl playing further away from home? And it's like, man, I want to mm -hmm. go play back close to home for right. my senior year or as we've already alluded to mm -hmm. i want to follow my coach to his new destination right. so we got let me just give us we've got a couple examples of that and then i just want to unpack that a little bit literally on sunday right just a little bit before we started recording this episode ace baldwin yep. uh, we learned is going from vcu to penn state mm -hmm. to follow his coach mike mm -hmm. rhodes 12.7 points a game last year mm -hmm. 5.8 assists wow. Fardaz Amak from, mm -hmm. uh, from Texas Tech to Cal. He's following mm -hmm. his old coach, Mad Dog Mark Madsen. Yeah. And then we have, Andy, a trio, a trio of the Owls from the tournament. And no, I don't mean Florida Atlantic. <laughs> the other Owls that we had in the NCAA tournament, Kennesaw State, mm -hmm. their head coach, Amir Abdurrahim, goes from Kennesaw State to South Florida. Three of his players go with him, Chris Youngblood, Casey mm -hmm. Jennings and Brandon Stroud. And that's not just any trio. That's three of Kennesaw State's top six scores, including Youngblood, who was their leading scorer last year. So, I mean, that's a whole other conversation. What does that mean mm -hmm. for South Florida and how those guys, mm -hmm. um, it, not infiltrate, that's a really acclimate uh, with the work. existing roster? Because, mm -hmm. listen, South Florida doesn't have any transfers out or anything like mm -hmm. that right now. So we're going to have to watch that. But yeah. the, the, the conversation right now, is about we're seeing a, a pretty interesting trend of mm -hmm. a coach goes and in this day and age since i can transfer for free mm -hmm. without having to sit out a year might as well go with him if yep. that if i'm committed more to my coach than to my school 
And it makes sense in a lot of these situations, especially as you see coaches move up levels. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and in this case, that was kind of always the, the situation. I, you know, I, obviously a move from VCU to Penn State is a move upwards in terms of moving into a Power 5 conference. Uh, the AMAC situation is a little bit weirder. <laughs> moving from Texas Tech to Cal is definitely a downgrade in terms of team. But AMAC is following his coach who went from Utah Valley to Cal, which is an upgrade in terms of moving to a Power 5 program, although... I mean, you could make a strong like, argument that yeah. Utah Valley to Cal is not a significant upgrade. Hopefully, hopefully, Cal gives Mad Dog some resources, give him some money to play with, give him yeah. some facility upgrades. I really think something really special could happen in Berkeley if they actually gave any level of effort into to trying to fund this program. But for AMAC, I think this is a, a fantastic fit. I think it's a great fit for Ace Baldwin, and I think it's always it's always hard to it's. I don't know how you could say it's not a good fit when you're when a player is going to follow a coach who has already performed successfully under. Like AMAC, AMAC put up monster numbers at Utah Valley. Yeah. He didn't put up as good a numbers at Tech. Part of that was because he was injured. There was obviously significant right. strife at Texas Tech last year from a personal standpoint for everybody involved. And so getting back to a coach he's comfortable with, familiar with, feels fantastic. Same situation with Abdul Rahim and his guys. Like, yeah, there's going to be some wonkiness on how they're going to fit the, the, you know, cause again, like you said, South Florida hasn't had a whole bunch of guys leave most of the time when a coach takes over a new program, they lose three, four, five, six guys. I say most of the time in the last few years of the portal, that has been <laughs> the case. Um, and so for, for this, it'll be interesting to bring in a bunch of new guys, but not necessarily be losing other players. Cal has like eight players in the portal and that's probably fine because that team was not good last year. So just redo it, start it over again. I think Penn state has lost a handful of players already. So I think, I, I think that those guys are going to acclimate really well. And I think it'd be interesting. And maybe this is a, an off season project as well to kind of look at how do players who follow their coaches perform, especially compared to their expectations and maybe the other transfers. Like if we could look at here are players who did not transfer and follow a coach, they dipped performance wise. These players did like, it'd be interesting to look at that because I suspect that players who follow a coach or go back to playing for a coach they're familiar with in Amax case, I bet they do better. I bet that they perform better and it makes sense that they would. Yeah, very much so. Andy, we're running short on time. Mm-hmm. Let me just burn through a couple other names really quick. And then we'll get out of here. Jameer Nelson, Jameer Nelson, Nelson Jr. (laughs) Heads from Delaware to TCU, where he could Mm -hmm. essentially be a Mike Miles replacement for Jamie Dixon. That'll be interesting to see 20.6 points a game last year, 3.6 assists. Georgetown got two commits out of the transfer portal on Sunday. Jaden Epps from Illinois, who had initially uh, committed to Providence and Ed Cooley. So mm-hmm. that makes sense. And then yep. Dontrez Styles, a North Carolina kid, leaving North Carolina to go help try to re- resuscitate the Georgetown <laughs> program. Koasi mm-hmm. Reeves leaves Florida to head to Georgia Tech. Home, we talked about that. Looking yep. closer to home, that's one of those. Musa Cisse hit, entered the portal on Sunday, leaving Oklahoma State. He had started at Memphis, so I believe that means he's going to have to sit out a year unless he can get a, a waiver from the NCAA, which they hand out like candy to baby. So he'll yeah. probably be able to play. And then finally, this is not a commitment, but Taryn Armstrong has cut his list to four. Xavier, Gonzaga, Creighton, and Providence. So we're either going to see him in the Big East yep. or way out in the Pacific Northwest. Andy, we will find out on that one pretty soon. So lots of names, folks. I, I hope you're enjoying trying to keep track of all this with us. We love getting to talk about it. It's such fun off-season content. 
Yeah, we're we're gonna keep bringing it to you as well, and we're I mean we're gonna give you transfer updates, NBA draft declaration updates, everything that we can. It's a wild, messy start of the off season. We knew it was gonna be like this because this is what it was like last year, and we're seeing it again this year. And uh, you know, the, the what's the phrase? What's Rostin's phrase? We sleep in May. I think it's gonna be like mid May. Mid-May, when the transfer portal window finally closes, that I think we'll get a little bit of a reprieve. But for now, we're with you all five days a week. We're going to give you all the updates that we can. You can find us on YouTube. Go hit that subscribe button if you have not done so yet. Leave us a review on iTunes. Leave us comments. Let us know which transfers or which uh, teams you want to hear more about. We're happy to oblige any requests we see there. Uh, Follow us on Twitter if you don't do so yet. Like we said, coming at you five days a week, Locked On College Basketball. I'm so excited. Isaac, I know you're excited. That's going to be a fantastic offseason. That is going to do it for us today. So check back with us later this week. And for now, peace out.